Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I'm Stacey Fleece, as always, joined by Samantha Tredelius. How are you today, Samantha? Oh. Good afternoon. I am fantastic and excited about today. I am, I am, uh, am post-spring break right now, so I'm, <laughs> I'm reinserting and um, honestly not doing an awesome job with it today, but there's always tomorrow. So we're going to maybe take it up again tomorrow on the reinsertion in life. That's, um, That's fair. Yeah. But back, uh, back from the South, which is uh, a different world. Yes. Um, it yeah. It was, it was an interesting uh, tour. Anyway, um, I'm super excited today because um, one of the things I think is, I always think is super cool is women who run for office, women who get into that political arena and and really get in to make a difference. And we spoke, we've spoken to Rachel and today we have another person in that arena, which I'm so excited about. So uh, we are joined by the Marin County District Attorney, Lori Fergoli. Lori, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. I'm so happy to have you here because um, like I said, I have great respect for uh, people, women especially, who run for these roles and and do it out of uh, out of the desire to to make a difference and make the world better and, and have an impact on our our world here, but it is a job that is um, constantly armchair quarterbacked by everybody. Everybody <laughs> wants to tell you what you did right and wrong in your job and how they would do it better, uh, which they'll never have it. So I don't even know why we have those conversations. But um, I can't imagine being in a role like that. So, uh, and you have a really interesting way in kind of the, the way you ended up in the district attorney's office, starting as a um, volunteer reserve police officer, and, which seems like kind of a cool path. So take us back a little bit, just sort of your, your path, because you've been in the district attorney's office for a while too. 30 years, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was elected in, two, in November of 2018, I took office as the number one, um, January, 2019. So. So how did you, uh, how did you go from, first of all, how did you become re volunteer reserve police officer? Peace um, officer. I always, police I, officer? I love it. yeah, I was a reserve. So that's a reserve as a person that is, is actually a full sworn officer when they're with another officer working in the car. And then when they walk away, they're not. So it's limited peace officer powers while you're volunteering your services. That's what the law was at that time. So, but I, um, I first became interested in law enforcement when I rode around with a police officer who had a police dog because I had to write an essay for school at Terra Linda High. And I thought um, it had to be an essay about working in government and contributing to your community. And I wanted to be a dog trainer. I really thought I was going to be a dog trainer. And so I thought, I'll just ride around with a police officer that has a dog and then I'll train police dogs. And then I saw what police officers actually do and how they help people. And um, that was the career path for me. So I ended up being Explorer, Explorer Scout first at San Rafael Police. And then I got hired as a cadet um, working in the front office. And then I became a reserve police officer. And then um, by then I already knew the path I wanted to take. But at the time, because of um, certain laws, you had to be five foot six to get hired. And I was five foot five and a half. Are so you I kidding had, me? I'm not kidding you. I know. I would not get hired. I, they would yeah. not have chosen Samantha. Can you wear heels when you measure or no? You know, they would measure. I'd go there. My friend had vision problems, so she didn't meet the minimum qualifications for um, 
for the vision thing. So we'd always, we'd both go there and we'd, you know, pass the physical and do this and that. And then it came down the out, came the measuring stick and we both meet each other in the parking lot. Yeah, I flunked. So, but you know, it, that, that law changed later. And then also, um, I got hired by a very enlightened police chief in Sonoma County who out of seven in our Academy, um, there was only, uh, two, two white people. And that's pretty amazing for when you're talking, you know, 1980, 1979. So he didn't care how tall we were. <laughs> he just, um, and I was the second woman who got hired there. And the first one was as short as I was. And she's actually a judge now down in um, Arizona. So, oh my God, that's so awesome. yeah, so it's pretty fun to see that he, he saw something in us and, um, we rose to the occasion. So it's pretty exciting. So yeah. So I was a police officer in Santa Rosa for six years and, um, always went to court, always continued school. Um, really knew I'd never stopped going to school and stopped learning. And so I had a counselor at Sonoma state that said, you should just go to law school. You keep coming back here. And, um, took me six years to get my bachelor's degree. And I said, you're not going to see me again. Ha ha. And then the next semester I was taking a computer class. He's like, Oh, look, who's not here. I'm not going to tell you again, young lady. And so uh, the one thing, one of your questions was things that you regret. I do really regret not going back and thanking him for that, because by the time I made the decision to go to law school, he had passed away. So that was one of my lessons learned is, you know, thank people in the moment. Don't procrastinate on that. So, but I know. I feel like our, our Monday could just wrap on that. I know. I mean, like just life lessons with Lori. So <laughs> in your position, are most district attorneys, do they follow the same path or is it normal that someone would be a police officer, then an attorney, and then in your role? Is that normal? Um, yes and no. There are a few not elected DAs who are have been police officers, but it's interesting to look at the backgrounds. When I went to Santa Rosa, as a police officer and work investigations, there were two other people who went to law school. And that was one of my other things is, you know, just take the chance. You can always try it and say, you know what, that wasn't for me. And I really thought that when I went to law school, like maybe I can't handle it, but I had to make a big decision to move down to the sheriff's office so I could be closer to school. And, um, but I always knew I could fall back on being a police officer too. Right. But, um, but I knew the minute I was in there and the minute I started going to court on some of my cases when I was in investigations, that's when I really knew that's where you really make the change is in court and having the decision to file cases. So, um, but there, I don't know that there's any other police officers, although I just got an email from uh, the police, the former police chief of, I think Miami is in a huge political position, not as a um, district elected district attorney, but um a lot of our district attorneys who are elected have really different backgrounds. I know that I just found out there's three of them, I think, who actually are veterans. And so oh. we were talking about a veterans court that we initiated and we had a meeting um, with a veterans group. And I was like, I, know, I didn't know you guys were veterans. So, you know, we all have really diverse backgrounds and experiences. It brought us to where we are. So um, and it is fun that elected women really do mentor and help each other. And um, it's, they've really been welcoming to me because it, this is a totally different, you know, level that I've never had been at before. And it's just been wonderful to have that support, honestly. And to speak to that, 29 out of the 58 seats in California or 56% are held by women. So that's yeah. kind of a big deal. That's um, pretty amazing. 
So for the normal folk like myself that just watch Law and Order and, you know, think that we know everything about the law, what does the elected district attorney do? Like, what is your job? So technically, uh, by statute, we're the chief law enforcement officer for the county. But that doesn't mean that we run out and arrest people. In fact, we don't do that because we don't want to be witnesses in cases. But um, we are charged with overseeing the grand jury if they ask us for certain occasions to do that. And mostly our biggest part of our job is reviewing police reports that come to our office and determining what, if any, charges we're going to file and the course that those cases are going to take. So we don't um, go out and tell officers what to do, but when they send us reports or call us, say, for a search warrant or some other issue, we are there to advise them to a certain degree, but we don't actually give them, quote unquote, legal advice. So we get about at least six and usually 8,000 cases a year to review. Yeah, that's a lot. And a lot of times people don't know that. So um, the one thing people don't understand is we don't go out there and tell tell officers, you do that, you do this. Um, We don't create laws. We have to follow the four corners of the laws. So people ask sometimes, why aren't you doing this? And like, we can't do that. It's not, it's not legal. So um, that's our primary job. We have a lot of really wonderful restorative courts and um, treatment courts here in Marin. We have a veterans court. We have a drug court. We have a family violence court. Um, we have um, a mental health court. And so a lot of people don't know that we have those services for people who find themselves in the system kind of as an, an alternative to, you know, hardcore punishment as people think about it. But it really is does have wraparound services for people. And a lot of times we're able to help people that way. And so I like to remind police officers, if you don't see somebody on the street that they've been in the turnstile, you know, in and out of jail, you know, oftentimes it's because we got them in a treatment court and they're doing well and you didn't see them again for a good reason. So, um, so that's really fun to just let people know that we do those kind of things also. So and we have victim witness advocates who go to court with people um, to assist them and tell them about their rights, their Marcy's law rights. And we have a service dog that'll go to court with people. So we're doing a lot of great work and we're just working on getting the message out there, like what we do. So more people understand and appreciate what we do. Yeah. Cause it's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of boxes there, which I think. Yeah. Is- so I, I have a burning question. So, uh, district attorney in a different Bay Area County who may or may not now be in Washington, D.C. There was a lot of chatter around her that she only brought cases that she knew she could win. So when she ran for election, she could talk about her high percentage winning cases. True or false? Does that happen? Does that not happen? Is it even viable? I can tell you it doesn't happen in Marin. I really like to stick in my own lane, um, but it doesn't happen in Marin. And, and we have tra- we, through the years, just like when I was a police officer, really the mindset that they taught me was you're the cop. They're not, you're right. They're wrong. Well, you know what? That's not a good mentality to have. And I didn't, that was part of my struggle as a police officer because I didn't have that mentality. I didn't see me carrying myself through the rest of my career with that sort of mindset and attitude. And I'm glad to be on the other side of it now that, you know, how can I help you? Because that's why I got into law enforcement, but to, um, we don't even look that carefully at our statistics anymore because that's not what it's about. If you're, if you think justice is getting a conviction of, on somebody, um, and if somebody had an agenda, like not only to try cases that they're winning, well, the hard cases, 
sometimes we don't win, but you know, sometimes you do accomplish things and sometimes a victim needs to have their voice in court, but ethically we shouldn't file and prosecute cases if we don't feel we can win them. But a lot of times they just have to go to a jury. Some of my toughest cases, you know, were not agreements by the jury that the person was guilty, but you know, at the end of the day, if somebody, it came to light what their conduct was and um, you know, maybe we get their medical license or their teaching license and, you know, then the community knows. And some, one of those people reoffended um, in another County in one of the hardest cases I had, and it wasn't a win, but we knew, we knew that these youth were telling the truth about what had happened to them. And, you know, sometimes you do have to let the jury decide. I think one of the hardest things, I mean, I watch a lot of Dateline. Okay. Keith and I have a very good Friday night (laughs) date usually. And I think it's crazy sometimes when you see these attorneys that are defending people that, you know, nothing about this case makes like, you know, this guy did it. He's guilty. Um, And I think in your profession, have you ever found that it's like in your heart, you know, something's wrong. Like, have you ever had to step aside because you're like, I can't defend this person or I don't feel right about this? We, um, yeah, we have. So to be clear, we have different roles. The prosecutor never switches their role. So we are always prosecuting people and the defense attorneys are the same. And so a lot of times we, you know, we go to court a lot with the same people. So, I mean, there was a case like literally we were in jury selection and a defense attorney kept saying this, you know, this person's not telling the truth. They're not telling the truth. And I always say, show me, help me get to the truth. That's what we're supposed to do. You know, if it's a wrongful conviction, that's not the truth and that's not justice. And literally on a Saturday, he showed me some documentation that proved to me that, you know, my victim was not telling the truth. And so we went to court and we had one minor charge compared to the incredibly stiff charges this guy was facing. And we dismissed everything except for the minor charge that we could prove, but that's what you have to do. And it hurt because he was a dangerous person, but, um, it was the right thing to do. So, yeah. So those moments happen and we try and we try and flesh that out before we, you know, even file a case, much less go to jury or also mislead a victim into thinking we're going to go to court for them when we can't. Why is there so much paperwork with court documents? <laughs> I don't know. We're going, our office is trying to go paperless and actually the court system working for you. The court, you're not so good sometimes. <laughs> actually we're doing really well. It's just a hard change. Um, and we were talking about that, but um, it's, there, we need documentation of things. And that's what's happening now that we, we went paperless during COVID and we have right now almost 400 jury trials waiting for trial. Well, guess what? We don't have that many criminal courts and that many DAs. So um, that that's, we're trying to work that out with the course and with the defense bar. And we're lucky in Marin, frankly, other counties have very tenacious relationships between their justice partners, such as probation and the public defender and the DA. And we do not have that here in Marin. And it's such a blessing that people do not understand that when we can work together for the right answer for someone, we do that. And it seems like if you're not collaborating with those groups, it is just a disservice to the members of the community. And I I think you're right. I think people do not understand the importance of that. And and I know that happens in other counties. and, And I think a lot of it is politically driven and 
you know, who, who yeah. wants to be in charge of, or who thinks they're in charge. I don't, I don't know. It just, it's, it sucks. It's, it's, you're right. And it does. And that's kind of even in, from the mindset of, you know, I have a hundred percent conviction rate or whatever, you know, what's, is that about you or is that about the justice that you sought or didn't seek? So it's, um, yeah, it's, we've had many other, other counties tell us that they don't have, even with their course also such a good collaborative relationship. Of course, you know, your lanes and of course you do your job hundred percent, but that doesn't mean there's not so much commonality that we could work towards. And then we have a great community group that I'm really proud of because it's a group of activists who I meet with regularly and they've helped us create some of our policies. And um, when it started, we really didn't understand or appreciate each other. And it's really um, had some great results. And I'm told that we're one of the few in the country, few DA's offices that, that let, that literally let activists and people who might not agree with us have a seat at the table in our office because we found some amazing common ground. And that to me, that's what this job really should be about. So. Okay, but activists like, like saving the trees activists or like prisoners <laughs> rights activists? A or... little of both. Yeah, a little of both. I don't think we have anybody from, you know, saving the trees, but I'm, sh I'm sure in their hearts that we don't do a lot of environmental situations. We, we do and we can, but um, as far as development and things like that, that's not really our wheelhouse, but yeah, I pretty much decided that I should, at the suggestion of a wonderful lady mentor, um, she said, you should really get a group together. And I said, yeah, I'm going to take the top 10 people who don't either don't appreciate what I do or just don't understand. And it wasn't from a bad perspective. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And that's why my whole thing was connecting the community to the courthouse. Cause whose job is it? Is it, whose fault is it if the community doesn't know what we do? So it's, it's my fault. So, you know, it's to, to your point, as you said earlier, people don't know what we do and that's because it's our job to tell them that. And it wasn't always that way, but now people kind of want more transparency and trust in their DA. So then that does put the onus on us. So. I love it. I have a, I love to talk about wins and things that are amazing. And one of the things I've loved to read about was the victims of sexual assaults in Marin County for years, the rape kits and all of the investigative stuff was not held in Marin County. Is that correct? That is correct. And why was that? Just not enough people or what? Uh, it was for very good reason. It was a kind of a misalignment of the stars, I would say for years um, that exams actually were conducted by nurse practitioners. And so, and we ran them out of um, the former Marin General Hospital. And when I actually had the caseload at the time, and it would turn out that when we would have a call, the nurse, a lot of times the nurses would be delivering a baby. Well, <laughs> that could take a long time. So that was difficult. And there were other difficulties with the staffing. And so it got to the point where there was already a seamless group of women who were sexual assault nurses, specialists who've done together, I think at least a thousand cases. And so they were working out of the Kaiser and Vallejo and they were serving Solano and Napa counties. So we joined with them. And so this group of experienced women were conducting those exams, but we had to bring the victims from Marin to the Kaiser and Vallejo. Which think and about how traumatizing because they already are having this moment and then they've got to go, you know, drive or be transported. But now you brought it back, right? Right. We did bring it back. We did. And it's um, with the same group. I, I 
that was the thing I feel about collaborating. It's one thing to say, oh, there's a problem. We need to fix it. And I kept saying, I'm happy to fix it, but I'm not without including these expert nurses who do the exams. And so that's what we did there. They helped create a program in Marin and we have nurses. Um, I think we've had five exams so far, but don't quote me. But the important thing too, is it wasn't just me. And that's the important thing about appreciating my job. It was the Kaiser here locally who helped the sexual assault nurses from the program who helped. And then Dr. Lisa Santora, the number two person um, in the health department um, had extensive experience and knowledge about these sexual assault examinations. And she's the one who really helped us structure a plan that made sense for the county. And um, so that it was just, we could have done it sooner, but for COVID, but we got it done and we're all just so proud of it. And um, we're getting interesting. We're getting a lot of reports of sexual assaults from the wellness centers and the schools. So it's, uh, it's just getting the word out there and, and letting young women and men who are victims of these crimes, let them know that there's resources there for them across the board now. So, but yeah, it's pretty. That is amazing. And more collaboration. I mean, the, the number of departments you and your team touch is amazing. I, I even got a letter from you today, uh, coincidentally, uh, because there had been a change on the deed in my house. And you collaborated with the um, the assessor, correct? I yes. think it came from you and the county assessor saying, hey, this paperwork was filed. Just want to make sure that this actually was correct. And if it's not, you need to reach out and contact us right away. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea that that was something that my county district attorney's office would handle or get involved in. Yeah, we did it before. I was Shelly Scott, the assessor recorder. She and I uh, got elected at the same time and took office at the same time. And that was one of the things she tapped me on the shoulder and said, I really want to do this. Can we do this together? And it worked out perfectly because we have an uh, investigator in our office. And that's one of the things he's supposed to be looking at is real estate fraud. So um, it's been a great program. It's got great response. We brought it to senior centers and we have a cute little video about it. Um, so, but still you didn't know. So we got to work harder. <laughs> <laughs> Two things I love about that though, is it's not only like having a situation and then implementing change on both of these discussions, but then also the women that are working together behind the scenes to make these things happen. I mean, that, I don't know. I mean, women everywhere are working together, but you're really doing it and doing it in a big way. And I think that's, you know, there's a lot of different topics and a lot of different moving parts, but you're making the magic happen. I have a burning question. What is the hardest part of your job? Um, there's a few parts. It depends on the time, the time of day. Uh, the job part of it, day to day, um, being patient and really listening and letting people have their say, even if I might not agree with it. Um, that's the hardest part for me because I still... You know, I'm still that prosecutor who wants to go down to court and fight for the victim. And so um, it's the warrior in me kind of immediately wants to, you know, say, nope, I don't think so. But you have to open your mind and your heart and, and not realize I'm in a different position now. And I people do they do deserve to have a voice. And oh, a lot of times I end up agreeing with them. So that's the hardest thing is being quiet and listening and then not going with my first intuition because in a lot of cases it's wrong or I'm convinced otherwise because I'm really listening but I still always trust my gut to 
but those are almost two different things, I think. So I think I could say that. That could be my problem too. <laughs> just, just listening and having an open mind. Sometimes I go down a path and I'm just gonna stay on that path. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's um, really hard to restrain yourself. <laughs> it totally is. But what about too, and we talked about this a little bit with Rachel, being a public official and somebody who's elected and, you know, the, when election time comes up or basically anytime you make a move and somebody doesn't like it or doesn't agree with you, the press hounds you and, you know, how is your, how do you get your skin to thicken to not be affected by that stuff personally? Because even, you know, the, you're a human at the end of the day and those things, those things can hurt. How do you protect yourself or, or does it sting? Um, it just depends on the situation. It, um, it, having been a prosecutor for so many years helped a lot. And having been a police officer at a time really when people were not, uh, were much more trusting of law enforcement than they are now, I think in general. And so, but I had to be, you know, aggressive and, and learn my role and learn how to deal with people before I even came here. And I think it served me well. So that part of it, um, it's good. But once in a while, something will happen when I do go like, wow, is nobody listening? Did you not hear or see anything at all? Do you, do you understand me? (laughs) Yeah. Or what we're doing. That's the part that, you know, but you just have to, you know, we, we have a team of people here that we talk with each other and I have, you know, mentors who I speak to often and um, we talk about that. And, you know, sometimes you just have to let it go and realize that people don't understand. And it's my job to show them the truth. If it's some kind of misinformation or something. If you're out having glass of wine, do people come up to you to tell you how they disagree with some case or something you did or didn't like, do people do that in real life? Like I see that on, I see that on law and order and stuff. Like, does that happen? Not very often. It'll happen in a meeting or something where it should be, you know, expected if I'm a speaker or whatever, but um, very rarely, in fact, more, more often than not, which just loves me. I just love it is, you know, people will come up and thank me, which really just makes, you know, my month. So in one, I'm Samantha mentioned a term earlier, but I was going to say it that um, there a very prominent person um, whispered in my ear a couple months ago, like you're a badass. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and I just like, wow, you just made my month. And, um, and it's not that I run around thinking or feeling that because I don't, you can't, if you, if you walk around with that perspective, sometimes that's not going to serve you well, but I appreciated that she said that. And I think she was talking more about my long journey from all the things I said I was going to do that I was able to do and people doubted me and here we are. And I think that was more how she meant it. Um, and that's how I took it. So, but you are a badass and everybody yeah. in this County, uh, should feel happy to have you in that role, feel protected to have you in that role. And, and honestly, I, I wish the other counties had the same level of, of DA that we feel like we have here in you. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you. Um, okay. Weird, weirdest case, weirdest case. What is it? Oh, a lot of weird shit that happens in this world. (laughs) Like, did you just get one on your desk that you're just like, come on, this cannot be real. I don't, I can't really think of one off the top of my head. We've, um, yeah, I can't, we've had some weird situations come up with people's, you know, 
information in cases that we didn't file. Those are probably the ones that I could talk about. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, but sometimes you do wonder the relationships people get themselves into, I would say. But well, most of the, time, the effort that some people will take to just fight and be ornery and this and that it's, you know, we had a, right. a situation with um, some homelessness here in up in Novato. And it was like the fight and the the angles that people were taking about land and, you know, what the department could do and couldn't do. I mean, it was just like, guys, if we could just, you know, go and do what we're supposed to do and spend the energy doing the right things. You know, I think that part of would be, I mean, even just hearing it from a member of the public, you're just like, what is, what is wrong with people? Right. You know? It, you do want sometimes wonder what is wrong with people, but, and look in Nevada, they ended up building an they area. Did. Everybody's happy in there. Everybody's right? happy. Everybody's cool. It all makes sense. Um, but yeah. I, going back to you being a badass, I remember the first time you, you and I were at an event together and you came up to me and I was like, I knew who you were. And I didn't even know that you knew who I was, but it's amazing the power of women and what women are doing in our different. Yeah spaces within our community. And I think that, you know, your 30 years of industry knowledge and, and effort and actually doing the work. I mean, that's something to be really proud of. And I don't know that many of us can actually say that we're doing what we love and doing it, you know, in a big way like you are. So you need to be proud of that. You need to wear that badge, girl. I, I am. I got my little badge right here. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I saw that badge. I love that. It's good. It's good. So yeah. we have just a couple, like one minute left. I know you've got an election coming up. How can people find you? Do you have events coming up? Like where do we learn more about Lori? Um, you can do two things. We have a, um, our official website for the county, which is marinecountyda.org. And that has a lot of information about what we're doing. And then um, politically wise, no one's running against me, I think, because I've been doing a great job. Yes. So I'm going to be here that. for years, but I do have a website and it's under my name with the letter four uh, DA. So Lori Fregoli, four DA. And all information and lots of incredible community members who on every level from, you know, high elected officials to um, you name it, have stepped up to support me. And I'm so honored for it. And I'm really honored to be able to do this for four more years and finish some of the stuff that we started and get some uh, more initiatives going. So it's pretty exciting. Saving the world, sister. Yeah, you're just the best. And we're honored that you took time today and you're approachable and you're a real person who's really making a big impact out there. So thank you for sharing 30 minutes with us today. We're actually going to post this right now. So it will go live in just a few minutes. And um, everybody get out there and be inspired and do something great this week. Lori, thank you. All right. Thank, thank you, Lori. Sparkle.